Hey everyone, this is Michael. Just a quick reminder that the impacts of Hurricane Ian continue to be felt here in Southwest Florida. So if you feel compelled to, to make a donation to help some folks, please look in the show notes for a list of organizations that are assisting those in need. Thank you much. Now enjoy the podcast. I hope everybody enjoys this conversation with Jeanette Ginling, who is the president and CEO of the Space Coast Health Foundation. She also sits on a number of boards and has great advice and insight onto what it means to be a board member, but also what it means to be a CEO of a nonprofit. So join us now in our conversation with Jeanette. Hey everybody, Reed Corley here to let you know we will be releasing a new podcast every week. If you want to be the best board member you can be, visit our website, thecorleycompany.com to sign up for our email list to be the first to know when a podcast drops. Ladies and gentlemen, let me welcome Johnette Ginling, President and CEO of the Space Coast Health Foundation, which is over in Brevard County, Florida. Johnette, good afternoon. How the heck are you today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Well, we're excited to have you on because you you bring a, a, a unique perspective because you are currently CEO of the foundation, as we just discussed, but you also sit on a number of boards. So you occupy both seats of the house. And the purpose of this podcast is really to help people understand what does it mean to be a nonprofit board member? What are those roles and responsibilities? And you know, let's take a step back. Even before you get on a board, um, you've had an opportunity to serve on a number of boards. When you look at board service and board membership, how do you ascertain and decide what organization you want to be a board member of? Now, I think that's evolved over the years. Originally, early in my career, I looked at boards for contacts, community contacts, connections, um, mobility in my career. I, I looked at how could I serve but also get a benefit. As my career advanced, um, then I started to look at organizations more from a mission perspective. Then what really resonates with me? What do I want to see accomplished? What do I agree with and can I, where can I put my talents, my efforts to help move an organization forward? And I think now in this role as the president of a foundation, it's still about the mission and the vision of that organization, but it also has evolved now, who can I collaborate with? Who can I partner with to make this community stronger? And especially for us from a health perspective. Yeah, a lot in that answer. And, and let me go back to what you originally said at the beginning of your career, because I don't think people should be bashful about this. The fact is you join a nonprofit board to enhance your career from, from multiple levels, right? And you shared with the contacts, but also there's tremendous leadership opportunities and development and being a nonprofit board member. Do you think that's correct? Uh, I would absolutely agree. And I think that, you know, um, there's a lot of give and take, and especially in those early years, I learned a lot from being on those boards, but I was also able to give. I had more time at that point. I didn't have children yet when I started in that role. And so I was able to give back, um, but I also had those experiences. Like you said, leadership is huge. You learn a lot about that. I learned things, you know, my whole finance background comes from being on boards. I was never trained in finance. My degrees are in communication. Um, so I received that training through my board memberships. And so those are all valuable skills that now help me to do my job. 
I'm so glad you brought that up because that is one of the, I don't know if I'd call it a pet peeve of mine or not, but when, when I served on boards or I work with boards that, well, I don't really understand finances. And, and, and I think we, you can't use that as an excuse. You have got to learn. You are a board member. So can you just talk a little bit about that, how you went from not knowing, it sounds like much about financials to you. I know you have got great confidence now in uh, financial understanding. Yeah, absolutely knew nothing more than how to balance my own checkbook when I started on a board with finance. But, you know, it was a great learning opportunity when you connect with others because typically um, good boards have a financial expert on the board. And so it's a great time to ask questions. It's a great time to learn. Luckily for me also, my husband was in finance. So I used to take balance sheets home to him and go, explain this to me, help me understand this, um, which he did, which, you know, that's that's how it works. And everyone's a little bit different. Everyone uh, accounts for things differently. And, but you learn those things and, and that's helpful because there are, there are very good reasons for accounting for things differently. Um, and so you got to learn different ways of doing it from the different boards I've sat on. So absolutely. It's a great learning ground because you've experts around you who can answer those questions and help you understand. I also think though, it's very important, um, as, especially as a new board member, um, not to be afraid to go sit with that staff outside of a board meeting and have them help help me understand this. For one of the challenges for me um, as I joined the community credit union board is there is a lot more financial piece to that, of course, than any board I've ever been on, and understanding loans and ratios and all that good stuff. And it is important to just to sit and okay, what are you trying to? convey to me in these documents, what do I need to pay attention to? Um, I think that makes for a good board member when you go and ask those questions. Well, and that's a critical point, what you just, what you just say, because some board members just will not do that. And, and maybe they don't feel comfortable doing that, understanding that's their their opportunity. But you really latched onto that and said, you know, I've, I've got an obligation to learn and understand this stuff. And you've taken the time to do that. Can you talk a little bit about that, that and that being a role and responsibility of a board member? Yeah, absolutely. That's one of my, probably my pet peeves. I will not take on a board membership that I can't devote the time to. Because as a board member, you are not just saying, hey, I'm going to be a part of this. I'm going to show up for meetings. You have to understand the work and you have to read the materials. Um, you know, as you said earlier, Michael, I'm on both sides of this equation. I report to a board and I also serve on boards and Staff members spend hours and hours putting together materials for the board. And the purpose of that is to help the board understand and make good governance decisions. But if the board doesn't read that material, doesn't spend the time with that material, then they're just rubber stamping a decision and they're not asking the right questions. They're not doing their due diligence and they're not servicing the organization appropriately in a governance manner. And so that is one of my pet peeves. If I'm going to join a board, then I have a responsibility when that board packet comes out to have reviewed that material and be ready to discuss that material or ask questions in advance prior to that board meeting. Um, and you know, I'll be honest, we're all busy. Sometimes I don't get to every page of it. I always teach the, the or tease the credit union that they're always trying to um, compete with the 
uh, novel because some of their credit union packets can be eight, 900 pages. There are a lot to go through. Um, and I don't get through all of it all of the time, but I always take the time after if I don't get through it before to go back and look at things because there's some things that are routine documents that you know that you don't have to uh, look at them prior. But I always go back and look at them after to make sure I didn't miss something and that I understand. Well, it sounds like from a board perspective, you understand your role. And I think that's something people don't totally appreciate, that you've got a fiduciary obligation and responsibility to provide that oversight and to familiarize yourself enough with the organization to ask those right questions and to, provi to provide that strategic guidance. And a, a lot of people just don't have that that understanding and uh, I appreciate you saying the you know mentioned the fact that to put together a board packet and probably most board members don't know this it takes a lot of time mm -hmm. yeah it is it is hours and hours that we spend doing that every depending on how often the board meets um you know our board originally met monthly now they've scaled back a little bit to seven times a year but you know we probably spend better part of one week just finalizing it to get it out there and so it does take um a considerable amount of time and and it's important because there's details in there that we hope the board can use to understand the work and to make the right governance decision for the organization no, oh, sure. And, and, and a challenge it is. I understand that. So when you, you, you touched a little bit on the qualities of what makes a, an effective board member and what makes a, a less than effective board member. So when you think of effective board members, you as CEO, you got your CEO hat on. What is a very effective board member? How can they support you? I think that board member who comes prepared to that board meeting who is ready for discussion and who brings a skill set and is willing to merge their skill set with the other skill sets around the table. So, for example, you know, our foundation, when we look for new board members, we look to make sure, do we have an investment professional? Do we have a financial professional? Do we have an attorney on our board? Do we have the different sk skill sets that make a difference to running an, an organization at the highest level? Um, but when, once you're at the table, you need to bring your opinion forward from your perspective of that skill set, but you need to be willing to discuss and, and come to that middle ground what to determine what's going to be best for that organization, what's going to be the best governance answer. Um, and to, to realize that your role is governance and not operations. Um, you know, I, I have to flip that hat a lot uh, when I go back and forth because I'm on four boards. Um, but I try to remember that, like I will offer help if that organization would like operational help, but that's not our role. Our role is to set the guidelines and let the team go free to, to do their job. And to me, that's what we have to remember as the board member when we walk into that room. Um, and I want to back up on one other thing that I think is important because I find this so much. I am amazed at the, the board members who take on a role and never read the organization's bylaws. Now, I will agree, it is not fun reading. It is boring. It is... But wow, if you want to understand what your job is and what the role of the organization is and what how you're operating, before you say yes or no, look at those bylaws, understand what you're taking on. I am always shocked 
um, at the people who don't read those bylaws. You know, that's always the first thing I ask for. I want to see the bylaws. And do you have DNO insurance? Those are always my first two questions. <laughs> um, and then I'm willing to discuss it further. But, um, you know, when you're looking at those bylaws, it tells you what financial responsibility and governance responsibility has. Uh, it does the board require you to do fundraising? You know, those are things you need to know and be prepared for before you walk into that room. So that is great advice to anybody. Always read the bylaws and make sure they have DNO insurance. I love that. I chuckled when you said that because I've got experience to the contrary uh, with, with an organization years ago. And, and so that's very, very wise advice. So as you are looking at potential board members, you know, and I know you've had a steady group for quite some time at the Health Foundation, been very blessed with that. But how would you identify, how would you prepare future board members? Help CEOs out there that may have to build out their board. What would your recommendation be? So when you ask that question, are you asking how do we choose them or once we chose them how do we prepare them to be on choose and let's answer both choose and okay. then prepare so when we're looking at choosing board members um we certainly our board looks from a demographic standpoint and a skill level so we use both of those wheels to look at do we have the right mix of people but I also think it's really important, and I think it depends on the organization and what their mission and vision is, what work they're doing. For us, from a healthcare standpoint, we certainly look, do we have a mix of income levels? Do we have a mix of ethnicities? Um, do we have people who are coming from different, even political views? Because that creates great conversation to come to the decision. But I'm also careful to make sure that they have the right personality. So I want people with different political views, but I want people with different political views who are willing to have a civil and professional conversation in order to make the best decision for our community. And so I think you've got to get to know people. You know, our board members, uh, our board chair tends to take potential candidates to lunch um, or just to meet them to get a feel for where they're coming from, what their background is, what they understand. And so I think all those are important pieces um, to get the right mix around the table. And, you know, recently we have a couple openings right now and I'll be honest, I'm, I'm missing, there's there's some pieces there that are missing um, because of those vacancies. And so that dynamic conversation um, is not always happening because we don't have you know both sides of the table there. Um, so we're working on fixing that. But once they're chosen, um, you know, I spend a lot of time with new board members just sitting down, not only going through bylaws and financials and our strategic plan and all those important documents, but just talking about what are the norms of the group? How do they interact? When do they meet? Um, and you know what? I will also say for any CEO out there, don't ever take for granted the importance of social time for your board. It's time for them just to be together and be a group. Um, that has served us well. And when we haven't done it for a while, it becomes noticeable. 
I love that last thing you said. I think that's critically important. It's a social time for the board because most boards only meet once a month or like in your case is a little bit less frequently than that. So it's almost a reacquaintance every time you get together, certainly coming out of COVID. I mean, that just dis disrupted everything. Mm -hmm. So so talk a little bit. I'm curious, your role as CEO and the board chair's role as chair of the board to create that dynamic and that environment for the board. How, where's that line? How, how, how do you work with your board and previous chairs? What, what's, how does that work? No, um, I definitely think there's a personality piece that plays a role in that. Um, with each board chair over time, it has changed depending on that person's um, working style and their skill set and their time allotment. Um, my current board chair and I, we tend to talk uh, on the phone early in the morning, you know, at least once a month, if not more, um, just to touch bases. And, you know, and having a board chair who you can have very frank conversations with because sometimes um, they need to feel comfortable in their role in their shoes and you need to feel comfortable in your role in your shoes and where are the two crossing the line uh, and especially to have a board chair who is willing to draw the line with the board and say well we're stepping over or no we're not stepping over we Janet, we need you to do this um but willing to um, have those conversations behind the scenes so that when we're in, in board meetings, that can be addressed. And that governance piece, boards, we have to be careful because we as humans want to do it all. We want, you know, and resources and capacities are limited. So, you have to look at what's going to be the most effective, what's going to move the needle, what's going to make the biggest difference. Um, and sometimes it's hard because, like you said, you only meet with a board once a month, but the staff are here doing this work every day. And the staff do see the difference and feel like me moving the needle. But a lot of times it's slow cross progress. And that gets frustrating for boards. Um, and I, I understand that we are a society of we want it done now. And that with a lot of these issues, a lot of the reasons nonprofits exist, it's a slow moving process. Mm, yeah, it, it, it really is that now, you, you mentioned a few things that's really important there. And the, fa the fact is the staff is dealing with whatever it is, right, every day, every day. And so they're heavily entrenched and ingrained. And then the board's only you know, theoretically involved once a month and maybe contact in between that. So board members need to understand that it's really their responsibility to close that gap. And you do that by reading the materials that's sent out, talking to the CEO, uh, whatever the case may be. But it's their obligation. It's really their responsibility to get up to speed and stay up to speed. Absolutely. And, you know, the CEO has a responsibility to make that available. I mean, one of the things I do with my board is I send a, a weekly update. You know, it's, it's, this started during COVID and it was actually a daily update because things were changing so fast at that time. Um, but, you know, we were meeting virtually, so we weren't in person anymore and things were moving. So we went from a daily update to then, you know, then it was like every couple of days. And now we kept it to a weekly update. Every Friday, I send them a note. Here's what's going on this week. Um, but it's important if, if they don't read it, you know, they don't keep up to speed. And so that is really critical that um, they do stay up to speed with what's happening in the organization because things do change quickly. 
Well, and I, th- I think, and I, maybe you can't say it. I, I can certainly say it on this podcast. Read what your CEO sends you. If you're on a board, you've got an obligation. It doesn't take very long at all, but to keep up to speed on what's happening with the organization. And so you can make, ask the right questions and also make the right decisions down the road. That's really, really important. Let me ask you this, John. It's, and this is, a, I'm not going to ask you about your board that you're leading through as a CEO, because that wouldn't be fair. They're all your bosses. Mm-hmm. But as the boards you've sat on throughout your career, what 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 makes, what characteristics indicate an ineffective board member and ineffective board member? You know, uh, besides staying in touch and understanding and reading the material, I think the person who comes to the board meeting and isn't willing to share isn't willing to for whatever reason it could be just the person is bashful or it you know i don't know the reason but there's lots of reasons somebody may not but you're there to bring your expertise and your opinion and so if you remain quiet that's not effective that's not helpful we need you to share your thoughts we need you to share your opinion we need you to ask good questions that to me is critical i never I'm worried when somebody asks a question. I may not know the answer as a CEO, um, but I do think it's important that I'll get back to you on that. I'll find out. Um, And I think that happens on a lot of my boards. Um, It's interesting right now, the range of boards that I'm on from some that are very um, experienced boards, you know, work like clockwork, they're, they're on a routine to very new boards who are just starting up. Um, and I remember going to my first meeting and there was no board packet. And I was like, what do I do? I don't know how to start here. <laughs> um, so, you know, just them learning, like, what material do you give the board in advance? Um, but you need details in order to have discussion. And in order to make governance decision, you you need information, um, which circles us back to the importance of reading it. But But I would say even more important than that, is participating in that discussion, asking good questions, um, and bringing up subjects that may be a little uncomfortable, but yet are critical to the conversation. Well, that, that is a fascinating point right there. So what I'm hearing you say is you, you want all board members to opine and to participate because everybody's got something to add and everybody even if they bring an alternative viewpoint so you board members listening do not be bashful in these meetings that's an expectation that you participate and certainly the difficult conversations the difficult uh, topics because lord knows we have plenty of those nowadays uh, don't be afraid to bring those up because a good ceo a good ceo would be happy to address it even if he or she doesn't know the answer Right. Yeah. I mean, and that happens a lot. I, and sometimes boards will ask me for stats. I'm bad at keeping numbers in my head. You know, I'd be glad to get that for you, but it's not going to be off the tip of my tongue. That's just not the information that stores in my brain. Um, but I always tell my staff, boards are entitled to any information they want. They are, you know, if they ask the question, they're entitled to an answer because they are the governance organization. And so on the flip side of it, um, you know, as a staff and as a CEO, these are people coming and giving of their time. They're not in paid positions. And the respect and the appreciation they deserve from us is great. Um, And I always 
tell my staff that and and is you know they always joke about board day in, in our place that don't come in casual clothes you're not coming into my boardroom looking like that uh, that that's because to me that's a sign of respect for those who are walking in these are people who are giving up a lot of time away from family their own business their own rest and pleasure to help us and so it goes both ways so i'm gonna change topics a little bit and again um going to your your side of being a board member what makes for an effective board meeting in your opinion what makes you walk out of a board meeting of which you've just participating on wow that was great i think when you've got a board that walked into the room they're prepared and there's great there is discussion around those items but it's efficient so there are some items you know on that board agenda that everybody's going to be in agreement or you know you've had time to discuss them in prior meetings and, and when you have big decisions on a board i think that's always helpful one of the things we always do um with our budget is that we always share it with our board a draft budget a month in advance of the vote so they have time to look at it give us feedback and then we go back and revisit it and then it, we approve it at the next board meeting i like with big decisions when that's done with boards because it gives the board a chance to digest it to discuss it to think about it gives you time to come back with more maybe input or thoughts or maybe just it's okay and that's all right to say it's okay so i think whatever you can come in, be prepared to discuss, know where you stand on that issue and be prepared to have that discussion. Um, board meetings run more efficiently and they can be streamlined. It's hard when um, you're repeating the things that are in the materials already. Uh, and, and, you know, to be fair, again, we just said board members come once a month. So they're gonna forget some of those things in between, but we try to make sure to rehash through the board packets, things that are coming back up to the table to be discussed, um, to make sure that information's still available in the board packet so that it can be, be discussed and you have the information at your fingertips. You're talking about the, the key to preparing as a board member for a meeting. I tell you, when I was board chair, uh, nothing frustrated me more than somebody speaking in a meeting who clearly had not read the material or had not participated in the last board meeting. And we're, we're going to kind of stir the pot. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. they're going to give their opinion. And, and it, it's, it's so frustrating, demoralizing to the other board members is that we've already decided, you know, they're thinking we've already decided that we've already had that discussion. So I would encourage any board member who's listening to this, be prepared, just read the material or be prepared not to say anything if you haven't read the material or you know just ask questions uh, and if decisions have been made you don't revisit them and the board's already voted it's it's time to to move on and you've got to you've got to support that the decision of the group yeah and you know we've had that happen both scenarios in a good way and in a bad way that we've ended up having to go back and revisit some things um but you're right you know when you're absent from a meeting when you're not prepared that makes it really difficult for the rest of the board members and for the staff so as ceo do you welcome or does it frustrate you when you get calls after a meeting from a board member or well, do you uh, um 
I do. Um, sometimes it's more me initiating it than them, and that's okay. But I welcome that because sometimes you just need to clarify things, and sometimes you just need to provide more information. Um, you know, right now I'm in the process of meeting one on one with my board members just to kind of gauge where they're at, what their thoughts are. Um, and I think it's important when that happens. I know some of the other boards that I'm on. Uh, because I'm on other committees that connect with those boards, I get to see that staff at different times. And, you know, it's a great checkpoint. Hey, how's that project going? Or where are we at on this? And, um, you know, to get those updates in between makes a difference. And you kind of can follow along then with where this is heading and what you might need to know that you don't know to make a decision. Well, you're, you're talking on a couple of skills that are critically important. Communication, certainly at the CEO level, but even board among boards, communication is absolutely critical. And to get that clarification, no matter who initiates that, that is uh, really, really important. And the relationship building. You, you touched on it earlier, the, you know, the rela socialization within the board, but even between the board and the CEO, the board and even critical staff, the committees of the board, that it's we really we're emerging from this COVID thing and, and it's people are reengaging and, and, and it's challenging because we are out of our norm, and it's important to be intentional about doing that. And it does make things run more smoothly and effectively because you build trust that way. Right. And I would say that, you know, one of the things that I may not be uh, the best at, I have to be conscientious of doing this. Um, and that is touching base with your other board members in between. Um, you know, I have certain board members that I do that with because I see them at other times. And so it's easy, but it is important, I think, you know, and I, I have one board member that I'm um, on a different board with who will frequently call me and say, hey, did you read this email? What do you think about this? It's great. We have great conversations. Um, sometimes we come to the same conclusion. Sometimes we don't. That's okay, too, because then you sit down with the, the table with the other board members and you can figure it out. Well, I, I, I can certainly uh, appreciate that in the, the importance of having those types of conversations and to build those relationships and, and that trust, because it really does make things across the spectrum so much better. And, and I want to recognize your intentionality about that, because I know you, you're a doer, you roll up sleeves, get things done. And I know the organization you've got over there and all the work that needs to be had, but you've got the recognition that, hey, I am the CEO, I have to step back and I've got to be a little bit more intentional at times. And, you know, kudos to you for that. Uh, even though there's only 24 hours in the day. Uh, Janet, let me ask this. I want to go back in, in to a, a, something we touched on at the very beginning of the conversation. We'll wrap up with this. If, if young people out there, early in their career, what advice would you give to them when it comes to board opportunities from the board, joining board or boards, you know, early in their career? What, what guidance would you give them? Um, I would say absolutely find most organizations have some type of subcommittees, task forces that can be your stepping stone. Um, in early in my career, that's what I did. I was on a lot of chamber committees and eventually ended up on chamber boards. Um, I think that's critical. It's a, it's a great learning ground. It's a great connection place uh, to meet people, to get experience, to understand the organization and really know if that's something you want to do. And it's really a natural process. Once you get active in an organization and serve on those subcommittees or serve on those task forces, 
it typically, if you express interest, results in moving up the ladder in that process. So I think that is, um, for someone young starting out in their career, that is a great way. And especially if you sit back and go, you know, what am I passionate about? What organization do I want to give my time to and serve in a capacity that may not be the board to begin with, but could result in a board position at some point? Uh, very good advice. I'm going to ask one more question because you prompted a, a thought. Mm -hmm. so if somebody is currently on a board and they're debating whether or not they would like to be the board chair at some point, mm. what advice would you give them? So I think, um, I think first and foremost, have a conversation with the current board chair that you have an interest and what ask them what it's like ask them what how much work it takes because again being a board member and being a board chair there's a difference in the amount of work and responsibility um, there's a, a lot of behind the scenes work that happens before you get to that board table and so i think that's critical um, i you know for boards that i serve on and our own foundation board we're always kind of keeping an eye out for who's stepping up to the plate who might be you know in line for that position um you know they always laugh about the best position is passport chair but but there is definitely um some gifts that you get back from being board chair and I will say, you know, one of the ones for me that has been the greatest gift is the Florida Philanthropic Network. Um, as the board chair there, not only for me personally, but more so for my organization, the gifts that we've received from me being in that position because of the connections that we have. Um, and so I, I think it's a two-way street. It's the board itself and the staff looking at who might be ready to step up to that position but it's also the board member who has the interest and and acknowledging that interest to the board chair because that's the person who's going to be leading that nomination committee um, to create those officers well there you go folks if you have an aspiration of being a board chair some golden nuggets there and, and and with the one being go ask the current chair what it's really like because it is really really different Jeanette, you've just you're such a, a leader you're a ceo you're a chair of a board you've been on a number of boards and we just appreciate your insight and your wisdom today and i think the audience is going to take away a lot from today so thank you very much it was my pleasure it was good to be with you Always an interesting conversation with Johnette. I've known her for a number of years, and she's quite a heck of a leader and very insightful from both, like we just heard, from a board member perspective and a CEO perspective. So, Reed, you were listening to the conversation. What were some of your takeaways? So I thought one of my takeaways was when, um, I think you had actually said this, and she co-signed on it, but people should not be bashful, bashful for saying they want to join a board of directors or wanting to join a board of directors for connection purposes especially when they are younger in their careers. And because, um, you know, I've had those thoughts before, like, oh, are you doing it only for selfish reasons, for connections? But in reality, like, you get connections from being a board member and you provide connections for the organization. It's a give and take. It's a mutually beneficial relationship. 
Yep, you know, you summed it up really well with the mutually beneficial relationship. And that's really how you need to look at it. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's important. And, and that mutual beneficiality, if that's such a word, changes as your career changes, as you get older. You heard her say, originally it's for contacts, relationships, maybe even learning leadership skills all the way up to now. For her, it's running her organization and it's the collaborations in the the networking so that doesn't change it's always the networking relationship you know networking is such a negative term but it's really relationship building in the community mm -hmm. the next thing that i i i thought was a great point was um her, uh, johnette talking about how much time the staff spends putting together the board materials the board packet in preparation for those monthly bi-monthly however often people meet board meetings and it's just something that I hadn't thought about. And if you are a board member who's not super in tune to the organization, you might not realize that either. So just in an aspect of respecting the organization, respecting your position as a board member, reading that information, or at least being properly prepared for the meetings. So you're not just blatantly disrespecting other people's time basically when you don't come prepared and the staff had spent so much time putting everything together everyone else is prepared and, and an individual might come to the meeting um, being unprepared sure yeah and unfortunately that does happen i've seen it quite a bit it does take time to put those packets together and i will also caution or urge any board member who when reading the packets in in conversation says oh i would like a report that has well whatever the case may be staff will listen to you and probably go create a report and you may just be saying it on a whim haven't thought through it so be very judicious in what you request of staff typically they'll try to create it and that's just one more period of block of time they've got to commit to creating something mm-hmm and so another thing that um, that I found interesting, and I find this interesting for multiple levels beyond just being a board member, but as the CEO, when you are looking to choose or prepare future board members for their role on the board, to not, on, not only think about the different backgrounds that they have, the different skill sets that they have, but think about the fit within the team, because like, I think the Minnesota football coach says, you know, we all need to be rowing in the same direction, right? As like, you need the team to like each other. They might not like each other hundred percent of the time, but you need everyone to be respectful of each other. You need everyone to be able to have a conversation, debate things, and then come to a solution, even if everyone doesn't agree with that solution. Um, so I think that it's, it, when people build teams just in general, like I, you need to identify the fit of this potential new team member as well. Absolutely. And the team dynamics change each time a person rolls off and each time a new person comes on. So you're, you have hit the nail on the head. That's critically important and very challenging, very challenging to do. Mm -hmm. Well, Reed, we, we had a wonderful conversation with Jeanette. Are there any other takeaways you'd like to share with the audience? Um, I think one final thing that, that Jeanette said towards the end, you had asked her about phone calls after meeting for board members. And I think that it was good what she said, like, if you are a board member and you need extra clarification or you wanna have a longer conversation, don't be, or if it's appropriate, don't be afraid to call that executive director CEO and have that have those conversations after the board meeting if, if you need some more clarification, because at the end of the day, if everyone's on the same page, that's what we want, or that'll be more helpful in the future. So don't be afraid to reach out to the 
whoever afterwards board chair executive director if you need a little bit more clarification about a subject that was discussed there you go four observations from reed following the the conversation with janet gindling thank you everybody for listening and we hope everybody has a wonderful day